but you got issued it, but nobody ever told you you got issued it, right? Like you just knew that that was what you were expected to do. You also knew that you were expected to check your emotions at the door. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have most amazing guest, Brian. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. This is going to be great. So give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Well, seeing that I'm six feet, six inches tall, I can do the 5,000 foot view just sort <laughs> just of every day around. for me. It's <laughs> just walking around. Um, so I, you know, I am a, um, a consultant, uh, speaker, author, um, and really what, what I'm working to do is to, to create human-centered workplace cultures. Uh, I, uh, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but as, uh, as someone who's spent the last 20 plus years working in corporate um, environments, I just kind of find that they didn't always work for me and they don't always work for others. And um, as, a, as a gay man and a person with a disability, as well as someone who's been an HR professional and a DEI professional, I, I've come up with some things that I think, hey, we can do this better. Um, and I actually think it also helps business be more successful. So that's just a few things about me. I've, I know I've dropped lots of little tidbits there. So I look forward to exploring some of those. Nice. I love that. So that is a, it's a very cool pivot to make you know, from going from the corporate to consulting to corporate going, hey, <laughs> you could do something and things better. Was that the pivot point that got you into consulting or was there a little more going well, you on? Know, I, yeah, it's a great question, Michelle. I think there's been a few pivot points in, in my life. You know, one of the stories that I, I like to share um, is, and for those of you who might be watching right now, if you can't see me, though, I happen to be a white guy. I'm a cisgender white guy. Um, and I've already mentioned that I'm gay, but um, many people who might meet me might think, like, I could be straight. So the world was really built to work for people like me, particularly the, the corporate environments in our country. Um, and so when I think back to, you know, one of those, those stories I like to share is when I started my HR career 20 something years ago, we just won't, we won't focus on the 20 too much. Um, longer I, um, than five. It was, it longer was than longer five. Than five. <laughs> there we go. I, uh, I um, had had come out um, in my for my career before um, human resources. I worked uh, as an operations manager for movie theaters. And uh, so I'd come out in that in industry and um, and my friends and and uh, my community pretty much knew that I was gay. But when I started my HR job, I went back in the closet uh, because I wasn't sure that I could be out in a corporate environment and be me. Um, and by the way, that's still true today. Um, uh, still approximately 50% of LGBTQ plus individuals are in the closet in the workplace because they feel like it wouldn't be safe for them to be out at work or it would impact their careers. So so that, and I, I was really fortunate back then I had a manager in that very first job at my very first HR job who <laughs> was an out gay man who helped me figure out that it was okay to be me at this workplace. Um, and what was really cool is, and I still remember this today, um, and so this is where the 20 plus years is important, is you know, a long time ago, I still remember him pointing out that one of the top executives of that company, and it was Red Lobster, um, that one of the top executives of, at Red Lobster was an out gay woman um, and was incredibly successful. So 
So that moment of having someone who supported me, who helped me know it was okay to be me, and I could see someone who looked like me, um, quote unquote, um, in senior exec executive rank said, oh, wait, I, I can be me here. So I've had moments like that. That was a big pivotal moment for me and a moment I like to talk about. And I try to, to create that space for others. You know, I think the, the, the pivotal moment for me happened over several years to get, get exactly where I am today, um, which is a collection of those other moments, is the last six years of my corporate life, I got to work at the Walt Disney Company. I was the global head of inclusion and diversity at Tapestry, which is the home of Coach Kate Spade and Stuart Weitzman. So some people are like, I'm going to go to the mall now. Um, and uh, those were really phenomenal opportunities and I think I, I felt like I had, I felt constricted by the four walls of those corporate environments. I was there to represent those companies and those brands and they're phenomenal. And so I, I'm still grateful for that opportunity and the experience and the chance I had to, to make a difference there. But I wanted to be able to sort of break out um, and combine my personal experience and my professional experience to make a bigger impact on workplaces and for the humans um, in workplaces. So that that sort of culmination of all of that together is what got me to where I am today. Nice. I love that. And it's a surprising stat to me, but I haven't been in corporate for forever because I make a terrible employee, great consultant, terrible employee. <laughs> but um, So talk to me about that, the, the issue that is still very much... <laughs> alive and well, if you want to put it that way, terrible way to put it. But um, because I wouldn't have thought, especially in such creative companies, that it would have been an issue. I can see because, you know, stereotypically, I go, when I was in university, and they came out and they said something like one out of every four people is gay. And everybody went, Oh, yeah, it's all in the arts department. It's not in the engineering department. And yeah, whatever. Look <laughs> around people. Like, hello. Um, but I get that that kind of stagnates and it's a it's a titanic to try and turn that boat and and get people to see things that are obvious to me. But I wouldn't have thought that it's still 50 percent of people, especially in those industries. Yeah, that seems wild. Yeah, it's. um I agree. First of all, it does seem wild to me still as well. I, you know, I think there's a couple a couple layers to this. So. One thing that happens in, um, uh, let's use an industry like fashion and retail, um, which can be together or separate depending on where you fit in those worlds. But um, the you know your perception there was, if I was queer and I worked in that industry, I'm probably accepted. Yeah. You're right if you're a cisgender gay white guy, mm. um, but that isn't necessarily true if you're a queer person of color or if you're a gay woman or if you're transgender or non-binary. So um, when you think about the broad lived experiences, what happens actually, and your what you your perception, and by the way, it's okay to have a perception that's biased or flawed. I have them too, we all do, right? Um, and, <laughs> Mine is very limited, I, I totally acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try to say that a lot because because I you know, sometimes what we when we have when we get something wrong, like we have a perception that we're like, oh wait, there's more to the story. What we as humans interpret as our bias or our perception as which might be wrong, is we interpret it as bad um, mm -hmm. rather than good. And so then we're like, and then that we retreat. And I'm like, no, no, it's just we're human, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's okay to be <laughs> human, are. and we get to learn, and that's all good. So you know, I think that's part of the learning, and one of the things that happens in those industries, if you're in those industries, is you think the same thing. You're like, 
actually, we're super inclusive here. We have lots of gay guys. Sure, you have lots of gay white guys. <laughs> um, and you're right, they're out mm -hmm. and they're that's great. And I'm glad that they're welcome and that's wonderful. We do want that to feel the them to feel welcome. And we want everyone who's part of the LGBTQ plus community feel, to feel welcome. Well, I would I think, think every everybody like to me, it's a little mind boggling and maybe I'm biased because I grew up in an era where I went, oh, I'm Canadian. <laughs> Therefore, in my air quotes, that means that we are melting pot. We're not a melting pot. We are a cultural quilt, meaning that, you know, once upon a time, people came to Canada and it's like, you're Ukrainian, you're French, you're from China, you're from wherever, and you create a community in there and you stick with that community in the sense that you get to... Um, hold on to your traditions and that they're okay. And you're still part of the bigger picture, which is what makes, you know, the reds, reds and the blue, blue. And it's just awesome. Like, so I have a very twisted and I get a probably still naive image of what that looks like, because I mean, I kind of couldn't care less when I meet somebody, I just want to get to know them. Um, and I think naively that that's what everybody wants. So when I walk into a store, it's like, oh, okay. I assume that if you work in the Apple store, you're kind of techie. Like, I'm going to assume you're kind of geeky and you're probably not socially apt and that's okay because I'm coming here for technology. I'm not coming here for fashion design, <laughs> you know, and when I go across the street into or across the hall into another store, I'm going to be expecting somebody that has some fashion savvy in shoes. And if I see a guy that's wearing high heel shoes, I'm like, yes, you get me. <laughs> you're wearing this shit. You're not a guy in loafers that are super freaking comfortable going, oh, here, try on the six inch stilettos. Like, Am I wrong? Like, why don't people see the world that way? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, there's an episode of uh, Brene Brown um, where uh, she's answering, um, she calls it her AMA episodes uh, where it's ask me anything. And, uh, and there's a, 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 some, a, someone who asked a similar question to the one you just asked. And, you know, something that she said there uh, really stuck with me is that, if you want to, so first of all, to your point, we get to be the, the beautiful, unique humans we are. Gay, straight, queer, non-binary, woman, man, uh, Jewish, Christian, uh, you know, tall, short, like I can keep going, yeah. right? We get to be those beautiful humans and uh, we get to, if we want, to have the opportunity to learn about the experiences of other humans who are completely different than us. That commitment or desire or curiosity is the word I like to use, requires intention, it requires effort, it requires energy. And some people just say, I don't wanna spend that energy. Um, and you know, I'm okay with that actually, as long as your decision not to expend that energy isn't going to ultimately cause harm to others. Um, and when you are in a workplace, you have, I believe, um, and fortunately lots of other corporate leaders and, and decision makers are starting to, or if they have, if they didn't already believe that, oh wait, I have that responsibility too. You have a, but this responsibility to create an environment that is welcoming of others, which means that we have to be from what something that's really emerged for me in the last 18 months since George Floyd was murdered and some of the work that I've really done to learn about the world through different lenses is 
there are systems of oppression that exist, and I, I like to call them, they're invisible, they are self-perpetuating, and we're all subject to them. Um, so racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, all of the, they're, they're part of our lived experiences every day. And sometimes, most of the time, we don't even see it's happening. So that energy is whether you're going to like, I'm going to learn the academic understanding of those systems of oppression so I can start to tackle them, or what I really like to focus on and champion in our and the work that we do at Hummingbird Humanity um, is let's just get to know each other, which is really, I'm hearing what you'd like to do, Michelle, is I, okay, like you're different than me. I tell me more about you. I want to learn more. Um, what what what's great about your lived experience? What's challenging? How can I help? Um, what does that look like? And what I also find in those moments is we often also find like, oh, I realize that your experience is so different than mine, but there are things that are so universal and how we feel as humans. Uh, so we like to say it as shared humanity is fostered through individual lived experiences. Nice. I like that. So let's go back to kind of what the problem is. And I think systemically it might be that um, it's kind of like sex isn't something you do in the workplace, <laughs> although it really is because that's where most people meet. But aside from that, um, how do people kind of contain that? I'm here to work and I'm here to get a job done. I'm really good at my job. I'm going to go do my job and not lose who they are in that process. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll say, as I've said to many others, I don't know if I have all of the answers here. And, uh, <laughs> what? Why not? I, I know. <laughs> I all know. of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, and part of that is also I want to be the, I want to have the humility to say like, hey, I'm also, as much as I have learned and I'm, I'll share things that I've learned, which hopefully will be helpful to, to those listening and watching, I'm also still learning. I'm still a human who's growing and evolving and learning about others. So that's never going to stop. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say, I, you know, I think, I think just some of the, the, the things that, that, so there's the, I mentioned the systems of oppression already. So mm -hmm. I, so I, I'm, I'm a, I'll, I'll sort of say like that one thing is to understand about those. So whether you want to understand them from an academic perspective or from, um, you know, a, you know, intellectual perspective, you can do that. Or you can just like, I'm going to listen to podcasts and read stories from people who look different than me. How do I learn about other humans? Right. So that's one of the, the things that, that you can do. Another thing that comes to mind about like, sort of, so, sort of, you know, your question around how, why, you know, what do we, how do we think about this in a different way is I also can say like, let's just talk about how we can be humans at work. So that's really what I try to focus on of, I remember nobody ever told me, Brian, when you come to work at a corporate office, you have to look like everybody else. Um, what? You didn't like, get the issued the blue suit with the red tie? Like, come right. on. But so, but yeah, I love, yes. And, everybody and course, got issued the blue suit. The everybody got the issued the blue suit and the red tie. You, but you got issued it, but nobody ever told you you got issued it, right? Like you just knew that that was what you were expected to do. You also knew that you were expected to check your emotions at the door. You come here with free of emotion. You have a list of things you're supposed to do. Here's your box. You need to fit in that box. You need to do all the things in that box. And then you go home. And what's fascinating is nobody told me any of that stuff, but I also knew it, which is why I went back in the closet that first day in my first corporate, got, corporate, uh -huh. corporate gig. So, I, you know, I think it's, for me, it's about how do we, how do we tear down some of those, yeah, those walls of just how do we get to be human? So we still have to do our jobs, right? We still have to be accountable. We still have to, we still have a purpose for being there, but how do we acknowledge that, hey, something, 
might have happened to this in this person's life. So I'll use one that that one of those moments that happened for me is five years ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. My mom and I are incredibly close. And that was a really tough moment for me. Coming back to work the next day, I'm probably not going to be my best self. The next day? Oh my God. So, you know, what do you do there? And yeah. And if we, if we live by those rules of check emotions at the door, put on your blue suit and your red tie, go do your job that's defined by this box, you're like, but he, but Brian's not going to be able to do it that day. <laughs> right. Um, and so there's a disconnect. So good news, by the way, for those listening and anyone who's battling cancer, I'm with you and I, I wish you the best. My mom, fortunately, won her battle with cancer and is now Yay. five years cancer, cancer free. So awesome. I'm you know, grateful to, to, be, to be able to say that. But, you know, those, those, I, I just wonder how we can be better humans. Um, the other, the other version of this I'll, I'll mention here is, um, and there's so many different lenses we can look through is um, a few years ago, I, when I was at Tapestry, uh, I sent this email that I think went to everyone in corporate. So 3000 employees, and there was an attachment in the email and there was a, a org chart. And in one box in the org chart, there was a spelling error. Now I'm going to bet that most people didn't open that org chart. The person who that spelling error was, I think was in their title, um, like they might've seen that and that might've not felt good for them. And I could have just sent them an apology, but I sent my boss this note. I'm like, Stu, I'm so sorry. I made this error. And it was like this effusive apology. And his response was, perfection is not the minimum standard. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) And it's really stuck with me. I'm like, wait, we are humans. And should we try to get it right? Of course we should. Like endeavoring to, to improve and to, to get it right is important, but it's also okay to have grace when we're human um, and right. perfection is not going to, not going to always happen. So hopefully that gives you some, some, some thoughts for your question there. Cause I know it's, it's a little bit, I think the thing that I find tricky about this work sometimes is when we're trying to create workplaces that are inclusive for everyone, mm-hmm. there's so many different ways to look at it because we are also unique and different. Um, and so what are the things we wanna tackle first? What does it look like? Is it, is it things like emotions and, and mistakes or is it things like systems of oppression? Um, or is it things like the conversation we were having earlier about, um, about safety for being who you are, if you're a member of the queer community, or, um, you know, I've alluded to representation. I could talk about representation of women and leadership in the fashion retail industry, which is also something that isn't quite where it needs to be. So what do you, where do you start? And I think that's, that's sometimes one of the challenging questions. That's a great question. So where do you start? <laughs> Wait, I said okay, it was a challenging well, question, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put words in my mouth. Those are good ones. So start that. I love, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll share with, uh, I'll share a, we use a, a framework um, that's called the four lenses of representation. And um, so something I learned when I was at Tapestry is, uh, is we need to think about the concept of diverse, diversity, equity, and inclusion as an ecosystem and enterprise approach. Like it, it, it's not this other thing that we do. It's part of everything that we do. Um, and so then the, uh, the four lenses emerged for me of how do we, what are the lenses that we think about? So typically what people think about first, I, that I, and, I, this is, and I was one of these people, by the way, for many years as an HR person is, I need to have 
representation where we have, see more women in leadership and we see more people of color working in our organization and more people of color in leadership. Um, and sometimes we use people of color and sometimes we use BIPOC, which is black indigenous and people of color. Um, so you might hear me use both of those two acronyms. Um, when we start with representation, we're focusing on an outcome, but not on the environment or the experience they have. So what I suggest when you're looking at these four lenses of representation, representation, so one of them is people. So how the representation of the different types of humans that are there. The second one is culture. What's the environment and the experience that they're going to have when they work at your company? So I think culture is actually the one that we really need to start with. We need to create the the mechanisms and the environment that welcomes people that are different than us. We need to create an environment that allows humans to be human. We need to create an environment where we are curious about each other's lived experiences. And when we do that, then we can also then find, drive the, um, the evolution of representation and the people that work at your company. The other two lenses are um, customers and community. So how, how do you, how are you, once you have those, those first two pillars or first two lenses um, realized of, hey, I've created an environment where diversity and inclusion um, thrives. I now have a, a group of humans who are different and know that they can share their voices and use their experiences lived and professional experiences to add value to the company. We can then now think, how do we then create um, and capitalize on those, that magic and what we deliver to our customers, customers, clients, consumers, whatever you call them, how do we expand our offerings to that in, in ways that we haven't thought about before? And then when you have all of that working, it's also how do we give back to the communities that allow our company to thrive? So where our, whether our, where our employees live and play or, um, or, or the communities where you know, of our, our predominant customer base of how do we give back to those communities or it's just sometimes it's also just what's the right thing to do because we take up a footprint and and in, in the environment and how do we how do we make sure that we're giving back to the environment or protecting the environment so there's different ways to look at that and what i've found is when you are looking at through that ecosystem and all of those lenses are really firing and you're you're really doing all the things you can do it continues to sort of good breeds good energy and so you continue to see the the that that uh, the 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 growth of possibility um as it's when it's all working together nice and love that and i think one culture is so important and i think it's really up to the the ceo or the founder to figure out what kind of culture they want to create and understanding that culture doesn't delineate personality. <laughs> it doesn't eliminate personality. You actually still want to have personality in there. And a lot of the coaching that I do kind of on a micro level is an admin person is going to have a totally different personality than somebody that's out doing sales, who is going to have a totally different personality than somebody that's doing tech stuff. That's going to have a totally different personality than somebody that's in your HR and um, your counseling department, if you have one, like those are four different, completely different personalities. And if it's the same person hiring the same personality type, hoping to have a mini me and creating a so-called culture that way, you're going to destroy a company. Like it won't work that way. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I see that escalating to a macro level that even if you have, you know, 20,000 employees internationally, you really want to have that <laughs> diversity. Um, intentionalized so that one you're all the there's nothing getting through the cracks so to speak somebody loves to pick up that piece that's that nobody else is paying attention to that needs to be paid attention to am i right yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i and 
you know, the the image that came to mind for me there was um, one of the um, initiatives that I was able to, to help uh, to be an ally really for this uh, group of women who wanted to create our International Women's Day moment uh, a couple of years ago at Tapestry. Uh, they, uh, the, the, the primary group of, um, because we, this is just where we were in the company journey at that time, the primary group of women who were helping to bring that, uh, that commitment for that day, that the activations for that day to life were in, uh, the New York city offices in North America. And, uh, but they're, they're like, well, we're a global company and we want to make sure that we create opportunity for this, this international women's day to come to life globally throughout our offices and our stores around the globe. And uh, the way they did it was they created their program for international women's day in our New York city and North America um, offices and locations. And they created a toolkit that they shared with the, the offices around the globe and said, you can use this toolkit or you can create your own version. This is not, there's not an edict or a mandate. This is a, we're going to celebrate women around the globe. And I remember uh, seeing the um, the activations from the uh, the offices in Southeast Asia, they did this whole like really cool um, uh, social media campaign where the, it, where different women at the offices were sharing different signs and messages, and it was really different than what we did in North America, and it worked for them, and it got them excited. So you know, I think sometimes it's it's allowing for, and that's hard for co corporate corporate environments that have created these powerful brands to say. We're going to let go of some of the control and we're going to let our employees just find their own magic in these moments. And it was really great. And, you know, they, they, they're, they're energized and engaged. They got to be part of something cool. And the reality is for a company like Tapestry, uh, the predominant consumer base is also women. So seeing women celebrating themselves and celebrating other women, regardless of sort of how that came to life and what that looked like on the social media, I mean, certainly there's things that aren't okay, but we were we were far away from that 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 realm. It's pretty cool, I think. So you know, I think it's those moments that we have to say, how do we how do we allow for the, you know, so much of our corporate environments are built from this top-down approach. And I think about, um, I used engagement, I still use engagement surveys, but I use them very differently today. I used engagement surveys as an HR professional for many years. Engagement surveys, when you use them the way I was taught, they treat everyone the same. We have this group of humans and this is how they feel. So these are the actions we're gonna take. And now we try to take it from other lenses to say, well, that's true. We want to look at it from a from a composite, but let's look at it through another lens. How do women of color here feel? How do people who identify as a person with a disability, how do they feel working here? And we then slice the data in different ways to say, are we creating an environment where everyone can feel like being themselves? I didn't do that 10 years ago as an HR person. Um, and so we can't sanitize our commitments to humans in a way that makes us all the same because it's also, it's just true that we're not. Right, absolutely. So how do you think autonomy um, is affected by all of this? Like how do I, as a manager, kind of give my, the people that I'm in charge of <laughs> looking after, so to speak, depending on the type of organization you have, uh, give each person autonomy and identify that um like as a manager i see that there's this kind of juxtaposition that they're going to be in it's like well you you just need to do this job and i want you to do it your way which you know at some point could be a magic wild card <laughs> it's like, i have yeah. no idea how you're going to do this oh it's it's such a good question um 
you know, the, there's a, there's a couple things that, that spark for me here. So the first is I believe, and maybe I would suggest, maybe I think, I'm not sure what's the right, the right entry here is that the type of managing that I'm suggesting needs to happen in our companies and organizations now, I think is harder uh, than what we might've thought of, of management a few years ago. Although one could argue it should have always looked and felt like this, but meeting people where they are as unique humans, finding what, what excites them. I've always been a big, I've long been a big fan of the strengths work, find people, find, find what people do best, let them do that as much as possible. Um, they're more energized. They're going to do better work. Um, that's another version of this, of, of really leading humans as humans. Um, so I, I would I would suggest that it is I think it is harder and more challenging and it requires that energy that we were talking about earlier and that intention. Um, what I there's a couple of things that we that that we do at Hummingbird that I like to to really encourage and try to embody as well at, even at, at Hummingbird um, is let's let's talk about our values. What do we believe in? How do we how do we want to do the work? So there's a, there there are some there should be guiding principles, which mission, vision, values are guiding principles of how do we do work here? How do we do work in this company? How do we do work in this function? How do we, how do, we do work in this, this team or department? Um, and those values, those guiding principles can provide some framework. Because by the way, yes, we want humans to be unique um, and allow them to, to, to find their, their own magic. And humans want structure, they want clarity, they want to know what's, what's expected of them, they want to know what success looks like. So that's one way to define success. Another way to define success is what are the outcomes we're work, working to achieve? So it's not the how you get there, it is what you're, what are you achieving? So how do people know what, what success looks like? Uh, is, it, is it numbers of widgets? Is it um, how you're moving the needle on the experience of your, the team of people you're leading? Is it about sales numbers? There's lots of different ways to define that, but how do you provide some clarity of how and what? Uh, and that I think is, um, again, that takes intention and time, uh, but it allows people that work with you to know, okay, this is, th these are the rules of the game. How do I, how do I, how do I win this game? What does that look like? Nice. Love that. And, and I think you hit on so many key things. My brain was going 5,000 direction. <laughs> this is awesome. I can talk about this all day is kind of to, to have a structure or a foundation with which kind of we walk in, but we can, you know, we can decorate the room any way we want to, so to speak. And one of the kind of interesting ones that came up when you were talking about that was, so I don't know if you know, but I'm Canadian. And I here, caught that, we, Michelle. You got that? I said that a couple of times, I think. I haven't made any hockey analogies yet, which is surprising because usually I do. But um, Home Depot is here everywhere. And, and we know it's American and that's fine, but they do things weirdly like they'll have Black Friday sales and we're like, dude, you know, we're Canadian. <laughs> doesn't mean anything to us, whatever. Or they'll start selling flowers in January and we're like, yeah, those are going to die. It's cold there, isn't it? It's cold in January. <laughs> not only is it cold, it's frozen. Like we don't grow anything until at least March. And even then those are on the peripheries. Like that's Vancouver, Montreal. You go inland and yeah, we're not planting anything till May. 
So it kind of boggles my mind that they order things not understanding the local culture. And it's not even local culture. It's like, dude, this stuff, the inventory is going to die. <laughs> like it's a total waste of money. There is no payback on this. Your best hope is to sell seeds in March and hope that somebody takes them home and nurses them for two months. Um, but even then, like, I don't get it from that perspective. I'm like, how does your purchasing department not get that like we're not in Florida. <laughs> like, don't you have a difference between your marketing department or your purchasing department in Florida versus Kansas? You're gonna have a difference. Like it's just and and I think it all of a sudden my brain just snowballed. Ha, finally got a Canadianism in there. Two, the culture of the people is like if you don't let the people that are in the store or in your office kind of have that self-expression of like, I'm the one in the street and this isn't what's going on. Like you're not hitting the nail on the head here. Um, I thought we kind of got out of that in the eighties or nineties, but we're still in that. Is that what you're saying? That the bottom up kind of feedback isn't there. Yes. Um, I think, and a couple of, of the whys I've already shared around the, it's, mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I frame one of them differently is the, you know, when I think about gathering data, um, like an employee engagement survey and synthesizing it at a composite level is a, is it what's the quickest path to understand and to take action? Mm -hmm. um, it is harder to go through, like, let's take it from other lenses. It takes more time and it takes more intention. So that sort of thing um, is is part of what's happening is it's about how do we how do we operate efficient efficiently and um, with 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 speed. Uh, and I, I think that the, the reality is it the some of the ways that we used to do the work of managing the humans at our companies it just doesn't work and it doesn't it didn't always work uh, but it certainly doesn't work uh, to, in today's environment uh, we've ripped we've ripped open that the, the ripped off that band-aid or we've thrown that door open whatever you know analogy you <laughs> want to use um you know i think you know i also think that there are some there's going to be some industries and environments that do better than others but even ones that you think um, would would have figured it out, um, like the fashion industry, which a lot of people do have a perception that the fashion industry is diverse. Um, they've made some, uh, fortunately not in the last couple of years, but when, when I was in that industry, um, there were some big faux pas in that industry. And part of it was uh, the design teams for um, fashion are often based in Europe and they have a very specific lived experience, which is different than people in APAC and different than people in the North and South America. And so they would create these design decisions that were inspired by something cool and interesting, but they didn't understand the full complexity of, of like what that, that, um, that design might look like. Um, there was a brand, uh, and I, I don't remember the name of the brand, but um, that's not really the point, is they put a noose on the runway. Well, why would you do that? Um, but if that's not part of, if, if slavery and what happens, um, what happened to black individuals in the United States and, and, and other other places in the world where, where, where hangings happened, if you don't have that history as part of your lived experience, then you're like, a noose might be an interesting story. I don't ever, I don't know how you get there, but, um, but it was a big major faux pas. Um, my brain so, went to suicide, which was kind of, sure. so not my frame of reference. Um, but and the giggle was a stress giggle of like wow that is so shocking i have no idea how to react to that other than giggle because like who the hell does that yeah and, like, well, for and, what and, reason 
Like, yeah, and I think I think you know you you raised a different lens, right? Which is I you know I I tend to think um, as as I think many of us in corporate environments today are really thinking about the oppression and the impacts on the black community in the United oh, States. Sure. So that's yeah. those are the examples that come to mind first. But right. you're absolutely right. Like that that also could impact someone who has lost someone in their life to suicide, right? Or or who is someone who is battling mental health and now it's triggered something for them. So how do you think about those moments that are insensitive that, and how did, how did it get missed? How did it get through multiple design reviews before it got to a runway? Um, and there's a number of examples like that. So yes, we're still solving these puzzles. Um, I think the flip side of that, which I do think is starting to happen more and more, and I'm really grateful for this, is how do you create an environment where voices um, are heard, where individuals who have lived experiences, maybe they are the newest person in the room, but they can say, hey, I think that that design is going to be hurtful or painful for someone, and or it's hurtful and painful for me, and I think that might happen for others. Let's have a conversation about that. Um, are, we're creating space where that, that can happen. The other thing, though, that I think is also important for us to think about. So sometimes we're looking. We're, we're right now. We're talking about this um, from a, uh, or I'm talking about it from a, a, a lens of of risk mitigation. And I'm, I've used an example that's provocative and sensational to pay for because people listen. Then, um, but the other side of it is also what's possible. So then I I also think about like, okay, cool. So we, now we're creating these environments where voices can be heard. Of like, hey, what are you trying to accomplish here with this interesting? maybe misguided decision, is there something else that could be really cool and exciting? And how do you bring that to life? And, you know, I think about um, uh, coach uh, and, you know, some of you know, my, my examples often come from brands and places that I've worked at. I can, I often think about, actually, I'm gonna use a different one. I'll use Target. Target, one of the things that I love is uh, three years ago, I think it was Target had Christmas paper with Santa Clauses that had black and brown faces. I grew up in a world where Santa Claus was white. Um, but wait a second, why? Why would, why does <laughs> Because he... you could be from the blackest of Ethiopia and when you live in the North Pole for a hundred years, you turn white. <laughs> so well, yes, yeah, everybody there's... loses their town. It's really sad. That's why people don't like living in Canada, let alone at postal code, ho, ho, ho. Just That's saying. true. I, I didn't think about the geography, <laughs> the geography overlay of that, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting twist, but I, I just love that moment of targeting. I love the multi That was, yeah, that's, that's awesome. fantastic. And they also have, uh, there's another image that I've seen of theirs of, um, there's a, uh, they've, uh, have a, a little boy who's, who is uh, in a wheelchair on one of their, um, uh, it's in the boys section with the clothing of like, and, you know, and it's, and he gets to wear, and Target is one of the brands that is working on adaptive clothing. So clothing that is made for individuals with particularly physical disabilities, yeah. um, who um, need different types of fasteners and closers, closures for their clothing. And so they have this boy in a wheelchair, and there's a great picture that they, that, that, that has been shared on social media of the boy who's uh, another boy who's in a wheelchair looking up at the boy in the picture. And I'm like, how cool is that? Right. It reminds me of back, you know, something I shared earlier of learning that one of the senior executives of my company was an out gay woman. Um, those moments where we get to see ourselves in the brands and the companies that we we work work at or the places we shop is a big deal. Right. And totally is. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to the podcast on Billy Footwear, we got an awesome one on that one. But I want to go into the solution. So right up until now, I've been looking at I've been looking at this from kind of an employer 
perspective, an entrepreneur's perspective going, okay, how do we create something bigger and better in the office? Because we might not think about it. We just go in, we work, we come out and it's like, what? I didn't know you felt that way. Like, why do you feel that way? I'm just expecting you to do your job, do what you got to do and carry on. Um, so I, I appreciate that it's up to the founders and the CEOs to, to take a more active conscious role in diversity so that people are happier, so that they're more effective, so that they're enjoying their workplace and they're doing the work because, you know, people like me don't work in corporate because we don't like the stuff shirt atmosphere. I'm not leaving my personality at the door. If I think your idea is stupid, I'll tell you, like, I don't really get where you're coming at from this. Like, why would we do that? which isn't always the softest way to ask that question, which is why I own my own company. Um, so from an employee perspective, going into a company, because I'm all about empowerment. It's like, I, I get it. You're not going to walk in with a flamenco dress when you go into work, if everybody else is wearing blue suits and a red tie. But how do we start to give ourselves permission to be us without... Um, becoming Liberace in a in an engineering well, office. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. I I, I love and, Liberace. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just oh, Liberace is fantastic. And <laughs> awesome. and by the way, if you're someone who wants to wear a flam flamenco dress, whoever whatever your gender identity is, then awesome. go go for it and do it and find a place will that will that to work that will let you Absolutely. be you. Because we um, love that shit. And, totally. <laughs> and, and yes. Well, and sometimes you, know, you just got to go to work and pay the bill. So totally. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I'm so glad you said that, Michelle, because even in these, in the shoes that I get to sit in, I, I'm privileged and honored that I get to do this work. And I'm also, as a white cisgender male, I have privilege and power that not everyone else has. So I've had the ability to say, I'm not going to work at that place uh, right. because I also know I have other opportunities and not everyone has those, okay. those opportunities. Right. So yeah. I think it's important for us to always remember um, those moments of privilege that we have. Um, so I, I think there's a couple things. So the first thing is if you have the ability, I, without question, encourage um, when you're, before you work at a company to look at their website and their social media and to see whether they have diversity commitments and, and to see, do you see people like you represented on their website or, in, you know, in their, in their stores and their, or in their, their, their the services or products they provide. Uh, I, you know, over the years I have been called uh, by headhunters. I've been fortunate to get those calls. And sometimes they're like, hey, this XYZ company wants you to, to interview with them. And I'll go to the website and I'm like, oh, look, it's all 50 and 60 white guys. And I'm like, I realize that I'm white, but I know that I'm not going to fit there. Like that doesn't, I know that I need to be in an environment where diversity thrives for, for me to thrive. So I just said, no, thank you. And I'm going to look at another place. So the good news is there's lots of different places to work. Um, and uh, so, and many of us can find other opportunities. Uh, when you are at a workplace, um, you know, what I, uh, one of the things that is unfortunate, but is a reality um, and something that people like me are working to change is typically uh, the people who drive the most change in organizations are also those who are from marginalized communities. Uh, and so um, I say, 
get involved. Like if you want change to happen, sometimes you got to do it yourself. I hope that we can continue to create environments and workplaces where the leaders are actively involved. And I get to work with some phenomenal leaders who are doing that, who's and CEOs who are, uh, you know, lead, who are from that privileged few of white cisgender straight men, able-bodied who are like, it's got to be better. And I need this place to be better. So it's happening, but get involved in, in what's happening, whether it's, an employee resource group, or whether it's, hey, I'm going to create an initiative. Can we do something here of uh, to to welcome a, a a school down the street, or you know, we get involved with a, a boys and girls club. So find ways to get involved with your communities and bring your communities involved in, into your workplaces. So taking that initiative and actively being involved is is one of the the ways to to drive change. I also would say if you have the ability, if if you work at a place that is harmful. Um, find a new place to work like, Get out it's yeah because it's I, I and I have um I have stayed in some environments that a couple environments where I'm like this is not good for me but I need to pay my bills and the world told me I need to be successful so I need to get this paycheck and uh my mental health suffered um and that wasn't that wasn't good for me so I think you know it's pay attention before you join as much as you can try to try to know who you are where you fit find places that where, where you fit, where they're going to let you be you. When you're there, there's always going to be change to happen, even if you get to work at one of those places where the leaders are fully engaged. And fortunately, there's lots of places where that's happening today. Be, get involved. And if it's a place that really is painful or harmful or hurtful or doesn't work for you, where you're not thriving as a human, go find another place because there's going to be another place for everybody yeah. on the planet, by the way, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you are breathing right now, you probably want to listen to that because that applies to everybody. Just, yes, I can't emphasize that enough. It just circumstances is irrelevant. If you're not happy with where you're at, there is somewhere else to be happier, figure out what you want to be and aim in that direction. And if you find that you're not in the right place and turn left, turn right, you wouldn't have seen that open door if you hadn't walked to that part of the room. Just everything you do is good. Just keep moving forward and move in the direction you wanna go. Just, you gotta hear that. Yeah. I could talk to you forever and ever and ever, but our time is running out and we will have you back, I promise, because I'm going, well, how does Zoom affect this and how does corporate? Oh my goodness, <laughs> go, yes. Oh my God. So we could go on and on. But at this point, I know that some listeners are going to want more from you because they're like, okay, I love what you're saying. I don't get how to implement. What do I do? So how do they start their journey with you? Yeah, totally. Um, so, and actually one other thing I just want to give a, a bit other bit of wisdom of just for humans listening is um, one. Uh, so first of all, you're getting, you're getting me, I'm, I have lots of good days like this. I'm fortunate to have a life that I love in many ways. I really focus on gratitude. So, you know, what I would say is if you're, even if you're in those, one of those situations where life feels hard right now or work feels hard, try to focus on if you can, on what can you be grateful for? Cause that can really help to change the mindset, which then allows you to open the doors to what What's next? So I just wanted to give that as a, something that was just very practical and you can use every day, any day. Um, so if you're curious to, to, to connect, uh, the, the two best ways to, to get involved, uh, get connected to me or to get connected to Hummingbird are, uh, for me, it's LinkedIn. So it's Brian McComick. Um, it's, I'm, McComick is M-C-C-O-M-A-K, Brian with an I. Um, those, those, the, those get to be tricky sometimes, spellings for some people. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. I share lots of content and, I, and one of my commitments is to amplify the voices of others. So you'll see content that I share that is from others, that shares other stories, and you'll get lots of ideas from that. Um, so that will give you some of those 
implementation ideas. And the other is visit hummingbirdhumanity.com. Um, and our, on our homepage, you can sign up for our newsletter, which comes out every other week. Um, and we also commit, we're committed to amplifying the voice of, voices of others um, at Hummingbird. So you'll get content that is from others as well as content from us. And we create uh, resource guides and tools that we share freely for people to use in their workplaces. So um, you know, feel free to, to join our newsletter and, uh, uh, or you can also just visit the website and click on the resources link to get our, like, for example, our, we have an inclusive language guide um, that's uh, out there free for people to use. Love it. Love it. Peep, do you know the, we'll have the links in the show notes and things like that. If you're driving right now, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. When you have time, we will have all Brian's info there. Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time. I know how valuable it is, but I have to know at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> I'm still not sure it's today. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's a great question. Yeah. You know what? I will say um, the uh, the pandemic um, and when when there was just no, no other options, it felt like at the time. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to hang my shingle. <laughs> um, uh, it's uh, was, you know, so that's the silver lining of the pandemic of like, hey, I got to I got to try something different. And uh, and I did. And I'm super grateful to be on this journey. So thank you so much for having me. Nice. I love it. Any final words for our peeps? Oh my goodness. You know, just love yourself as a human, be human. Um, if you're a leader or manager who, you know, let your humans be human. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm going to just sort of keep reminding you, reminding us and, and myself and everyone else, like it's uh, humans are awesome and we're hard and we're confusing and we're quirky and we're amazing and incredible. Um, and uh, just, just, let's just care for each other. Love it. You're awesome. We will definitely have you back. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. This is Michelle Nidalek. Thank you for being with us here today. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite app so that we can scale your business with you. I love having you here. So come back again.